Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap. We're glad that you're here. Glad that you're here. Listen, before we jump in, I just want to spend a time. I want to spend a moment as a church. Listen, um, 120 kids, we'll probably have more than that. And uh, I, I love what our church is doing, but, you know, we're, we're not into just throwing an event. We're hoping that our kids have an encounter with the Lord. And so we don't feel like they get junior Jesus. And so we're breaking down concepts so that they can build their life on it. And what we said today, like uh, this firm foundation has to be built, okay? You don't just go to church and get the foundation. That foundation through Jesus has to be built in your life. And then he's the cornerstone that you begin to build the rest of your life on. So we don't see it as just insignificant. Uh, And and so I want to pray as a church. uh, You know, already the third graders, the fourth graders, the fifth graders that are coming, they, I mean, the world's hard. Come on, somebody. And, and school and who's the fastest and who's not and who's the best in the reader the best reader in class and who's not and, and already even at a young age young people begin to see where they range and I just want to be a church that speaks the hope of Jesus come on in their life and calls out their God potential and that's what we're going to do so come on listen uh, and let me just say something I got a lot I got a lot I want to say today I really like y'all. I got a lot to say. But when we pray, we don't believe that we're throwing up little ditties to the Lord, like little traditional sayings. We actually believe that prayer is powerful because the Bible teaches us to come, to pray, and, and, and there is power, come on, in our prayer. And so we're not praying in church like some people pray for their food repetitive, um, traditional, obligational. We believe that prayer moves the room and it shifts things. And so I don't know what child is coming that is, is in the middle of a divorce situation. I don't know what child is coming that has already thought he's not good enough or she's not good enough. I, I don't know what child's coming, but I, but I know how I want them to leave. When this whole thing is over, I know how I want them to leave. Come on, does that make sense? So let's pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, as a church, God, we pray over these young people, over their soul, over their destiny, over their future. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we believe that spiritual, supernatural things will happen in their life at a young age. And Father, that you will begin to build in them the foundations that that hold under the pressure of society, that hold under the pressure of culture, that hold under the pressure of friendships. And Father, that you would mark not just their mind, but you would mark their soul. We thank you for all those that are serving, that are working full-time jobs and coming to be here. And Father, I pray that they would see a direct blessing and increase for the seeds that they're sowing. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap.
Uh, let me just say this also, just because I have four kids and parents and whatever, and we're just talking. Um, uh, if you come and bring your kids, um, uh, do good. That's all I'm going to say is do good. Okay? Um, uh, we, we absolutely believe the church. If Walmart can walk through their stores and go, that's dirty, that's there's an excellence in the business world. And we actually believe there should be an excellence in the church world. Come on, somebody. And so not because we're trying to perform, but because we're working for the king. And so we're going to have a level of excellence. But I want you to know that while we are leaning in and want to make a great time for your kid, your kid is not our idol. And so just make sure you do a good job bringing your young person and knowing that they got all week. Let's let something happen. Let's let God do it. Come on. And if you like, well, they should be doing this. Sign up to teach next year. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Don't be the fan coaching the kid that don't want to actually coach the team. So, so anyway, I know that's none of y'all, but I just thought I would say that. Oh, man. I've been feisty all day. And I'm going to be a little feisty. There are some times when you come that I, I, I obviously... Um, I want to preach the joy of the Lord. I want to preach confidence. I, I want to preach these things that have happened in my life, and I want to make sure that they uh, are implanted in your life. And there are days that our sermons are going to be very, very motivational. We're going to, we're going to speak to an issue, and my, my hope is that you're going to hear that and overcome some great things. And then there are some times when we have to say, the church has to say some deeper things, some uncomfortable things. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. And, and, and if the church, so here's how it, it works. Um, when the church is silent, culture gets foggy. People, morality is not coming from the world. It's coming from the church. Okay? And so when the church chooses to move to entertainment and pleasing its people, then the Bible says that we'll actually raise up a church that will want to tickle your ears and make you feel really good about where you're at, but it won't ever change your life. And so a transformational church will get in, and sometimes it will dig into areas that you really don't want touched. And so there are some times when you come to church that we are going to rah-rah, shishkumba, cheerlead, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and And... You don't need to be so sophisticated and full of theology that those days are not important to you. Because contrary to popular opinion, man or woman, sometimes you need to hear someone say, you're doing good. <laughs> say it again, girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you need that. But then sometimes you need to go to the doctor and he needs to check your cholesterol. Today is a cholesterol check. <laughs> and... And even though sometimes it's not comfortable, it's good. It's good. And so we are moving through the book of Philippians. And we're going to, the last two weeks we went through, we took two Sundays just to go through chapter one. And I'm going to go through chapter two today. Because um, I'm going to spend a lot of time on chapter three. Uh, but, but as we begin to talk about this, I, I want you to know that Paul, in this letter, uh, just so you know, you may be new to the Bible, but it actually didn't come out 
like what you hold in your hand. It was a letter. And Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi because they were super generous and they showed a lot of care. So Paul was in prison under the Roman Empire. And here's the thing. Come on. Like, I, I went a little history. Some of y'all went, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Roman prison didn't take care of their people. It wasn't their job to feed them or take care of them. We have the jail. We guard you. You're a criminal. And so we're not going to feed you. We're not going to take care of you. We're not going to do anything. So if you want that, someone's going to have to come help you. And so the church in Philippi sent someone, come on, to come help take care of Paul while he is in this predicament. And it impacts him so much that he begins to write a whole chapter about it. And he's like, okay, this example, this illustration is a greater illustration of what Jesus has done and how the church should walk in unity. And I want to break it down and I want to talk a little bit about it today. Paul is helping us realize that you can be in hard moments and have unshakable confidence and unspeakable joy. Joy doesn't come from uh, superficial happiness. Come on, hear me. Joy doesn't come from how much money you make, although uh, some sadness may come if you, you don't make enough. <laughs> Paul is going to unpack some thoughts that we're going to talk about today because the body of Christ, when it is uni united, when it, when it is in unity, is super effective. And the goal for the church is to be effective. Come on, somebody. But in order to do that, we've got to change our mindset We've got to arrange our life with the model and we've got to check our motives. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 through 1. My assignment today is the effects of unity. Here we go. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. We'll spend some time. Having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, do nothing. Everybody say, do nothing. Come on. With selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about this because when you read that verse, you can be over here struggling going, that's right. Someone needs to think about me. But you would be thirsty. Or you can be on this side and you can judge the people who need and think, well, if you work a little bit harder and you're a little smarter and you budget and you do this and you do that, well, you could be and have exactly what I have. Except for sometimes that's exactly right, but sometimes there's a favor of God on your life. Sometimes you're walking in things that your parents planted in you or, their, or your grandparents planted in you. The Bible tells us that we can be blessed up to three generations. So can I just give you this one thought? The success that you may be walking in today may have nothing to do totally with you. 
I'm not saying you're not working hard, so don't come for me. But I'm saying to you that there was things implanted into your life and into the culture and into the line of your family that now you're walking in that you just know, but other people have to learn. They were, they, the concepts and principles were readily available in your home where someone else has to go out and extract them that's different. Come on, help me. Over the last few weeks, we've been in these local mission trips, and these mission trips have been incredible. These are Be The One trips, and, and I can't wait to celebrate all that God has done because our team has done amazing. Come on, just real quick, give them a hand. They're doing a great job. But how many of you know that when it gets hot and you get tired, Come on, emotions start to intensify on any team. Anybody ever done a project with someone and you did all the work and they never checked their email? Come on, somebody. If they're in this church right now, please look forward. Anybody, anybody in marriage ever, everybody talking together, hey, we should clean the house. Yeah, we should. Okay, let's do it Saturday. And then all of a sudden, the we turns to me because the other person's on the phone. I thought we were cleaning the house. No, actually, I was thinking we as in you would clean the house. Huh. I love that we have a team that is that understands the importance of unity. But it doesn't matter what relationship, come on, listen, that you're in, marriage, friendship, church community, it's hard to walk in unity. It's hard to, like, anybody who says, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're unified. It's great. They line. <laughs> you have, may have moments, but if you're really invested, you got two wheels. Come on. You got two opposing views. You got two backgrounds. It's going to be work to stay unified. Just try to do a family night with six humans. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? What my parents said. You know? There are many nights that we did family night, but it should have been called survive it <laughs> night. So like, which, when is this done? Come on. Why? Because you got to work hard for unity. Because someone's always going to do something, say some, something, or mess with someone. Come on, somebody. Anybody got brothers and sisters? You're just like randomly. Why are you hitting me? Don't touch me. I don't like you. What, you don't like him? I don't really like him. I just don't like him. <laughs> Listen, we're just trying to have family night and unity is under attack. We have this saying around our home, don't steal the peace. Don't steal the peace. And so we actually believe that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. And so when we begin to bring another Spirit, another, another selfishness, another whatever in that causes division, dissension, disunity, then we are not going to have peace. So we're always like, hey, like the prophet Dre said, you better check yourself because I'm happy and mom's happy. You make mom not happy, I'm not happy, and I'm louder. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Discord comes easy. Disagreements are natural. Because each of us suffer from this one thing. And the one thing is we all want to be right. First. Get the last word. 
Paul is telling us in this as we start today that there are three ways to build unity and I want to jump right into it. The first is we got to get our mindset right. Come on, has anybody ever played sports? The coach's number one job is to encourage people and shift their mindset. Well, coach, they're taller than us. Yeah, but you got heart. But they have a bigger heart because they're a bigger person. It's actually, my heart's here. And Come on, listen. But Paul is trying to tell us your mindset has to stay in a place, listen to this, that you, if you are a believer, you are blessed. You are blessed. And if you operate under a victim mindset where it is never enough, no one ever listens, uh, and, and, and because of my past, my abandonment, my rejection, my frustration, my this, and I always feel like I'm never heard enough. And it doesn't matter how long you talk, you still, at the end of that sentence, feel like you're not heard. The reason is there is something in you that's craving, and God is checking us through Paul by saying, you got to get your mindset right because you're blessed. If you're saved, you come from a position of blessing. Come on, hear me. We got to check our mind. You don't have to ponder and entertain every thought that plays in your mind. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Oh, I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have dated that girl. I wish I, wish I would have said yes to her. I wish I wouldn't have married her. I wish I would have... And people are always frustrated today by what the enemy is throwing in their mind. And we forget that we're blessed. We're blessed. The enemy wants to plant seeds that grow into weeds and worries. And he, Paul is saying we're blessed and you need to walk in unity. Look at this. Look at what he says. Look at this. Look at this. It's interesting that he starts out this verse, and we can even put the, the verse that I started back, back on there just so they can read it while I'm talking. But it says, if. If. This isn't an expression of uncertainty, but one of certainty. Think about this word, if, as it's translated into sense. Not if, like a question, but since you've experienced since you've experienced. Look at this. Encouragement in Christ. What has Christ done for you? I'm sitting on some testimonies. There's some people in this room. I wish you would, would, would just let us know a little bit. Has God done something in your life? Yes or no? Come on. Way too many saints are sitting on secrets. God's done something in your life, but your face is, is acting like he's done nothing. Your attitude is acting like he left you. But the truth of the matter is God's been calling you, wooing you your whole life. He's been positioning, putting people in, putting people in, talking to you. A, move, a song comes on the country channel and all of a sudden you're convicted. You know what I'm saying? Like, like God's been doing something in your life, your whole life. Stop acting like you're not blessed. What's Christ done for you? Look at that, and then he goes on to say, any comfort in love? Have you ever, has a brother and sister in Christ ever reached out to you, ever encouraged you, ever talked to you, ever brought, hey, man, bring it in, let's hug it up. Man, how you doing? Well, no one's doing it now. Wah. That's not what he's asked. 
He didn't say who's doing it now. What he asks is, has it ever been done? If it's been done, stop forgetting the grace of God on your life so quickly. Remember, come on somebody, remember the blessing of God on your life. You didn't just get here because you're awesome. You didn't just get here because you're pretty. You didn't just get here because you work hard. God has been chasing why are you in this church and why are you in church and come on, listen, the other people you grew up with aren't. God's got a calling on your life and it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a calling on their life, but it just means that you've said yes. There's a curiousness in you. There's something burning in you that you can't shut off and you, would, you, you thought about it this morning. It would be much rather to sleep in in Jesus' name. But something's happening in you. Any participation of the Spirit. In other words, even when you're not alone, even when you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit who Jesus sent, who said, my Father is going to send someone to help you in this world, navigate, bring up what I've taught you. All of a sudden, you weren't thinking about children's church. You weren't thinking about a VBS. You weren't thinking about a song. But all of a sudden, you're in this adult situation and this little song pops up in you. And you're like, why did I remember that? I can't remember people's names. I can't remember to take my medicine. I can't remember sometimes the floss, but I remember that. Spring up a while, splash, splash. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, you're in participation, come on, with the Spirit. And stop thinking that you're alone. Stop thinking that because you externally have some distance in your life with friendships and people, seasons change. But God said that I will never leave you. Come on, somebody. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. Come on. Have you, have you ever received any affection or any sympathy? Has anybody ever checked on you and given you feelings of care? Or do you forget all that because you're just thirsty now? And we walk around and you're just waiting to find a church that's going to love you. You don't hug nobody. You don't talk to nobody. Come on. You're the first one to leave. You're the last one to come in. And you talking about the church. And just to let you know, if you're saved, you're part of the big church, so you're part of the problem. <laughs> come on, hear me. We got to have the same mind. That's what Paul is saying. Church, I need you to know that everything that you need can be found. Come on in, Jesus. And I wish someone here, just let me preach for a little bit. We, we might all be different. And we may have different backgrounds and personalities and baggages and race and color and creed. But here is what Paul is saying. There's a big difference between us being unique and being the same. And you have to know that God created you unique but we are all working on being the same. You're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to come in one way and release some things. I wish y'all would let me, come on, listen, let me preach a little bit. Because if you were going to be intellectually honest, some of you who've been around church for 10 years, you've seen the change in your life. Come on. And some of you, you may be new to this. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got so much to do. But you need to understand. 
that God's kindness draws us to repentance and he will take time. God's patient. He's going to work. He's going to allow, he's going to allow it to happen. Paul is encouraging the church to be unified. And so that means, listen to this, your mindsets on a lot of things will change. In other words, if you can think the same thought you thought about a lot of things 25 years ago, you're not growing. You hear what I'm saying? The word challenges perspective. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I feel. Here's what God says. I'm going to change my mind. I might struggle through the change, but I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to think like culture. I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to think like a victim. I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to think like an addict. I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to think offended. I'm going to change my mind. I'm not going to think with lustful desires first. I'm going to help me. Come on. And we are in a world where everyone thinks, you don't have to change your mind. It's your mind. That's not what the Bible says. Let me just say this in another way. You don't have creative license to be innovative in your mindset. And in a world that wants to promote, promote creativity and individuality, I want you to know that you don't have the creative license in your mind to be innovative to choose what you believe and what you don't believe. You actually have to submit yourself under the word and you have to go, God, I will change any thought that's in opposition to you. Come on. Come on. I knew you wouldn't clap. Come on. You are blessed. You are blessed. And listen, there is enough happening and enough that God's doing. And we, we want to move out of, come on, listen, self-led living. So can I just talk to the big C church for a little bit? Jesus isn't promoting Pride Month. Now, everybody just chill. Because I'm going to be clear. I'm going to be clear. Okay? Some people, amen, because they want to focus on that moral issue. But Jesus isn't wearing a rage shirt when our whole family is scared because they don't know what mood you're going to be in. Jesus is not wearing a gluttony shirt. Jesus is not wearing a porn shirt. Come on. Jesus isn't, he has a standard. So I'm going to be honest. It's hard for us to preach standards because they're confining. Can we just talk? How many of you honestly, when people tell you it's time to go, you have just a little bit of anxiety we have to go right now, we have to go right now, we have to go right now, we're leaving right now, we're not. How many of y'all, you're like, ah! I don't want to be forced to go. I would rather be late and be on my own time and happy. 
Come on. Anytime there's a constraint put on us, it produces rebellion. And so what does God want to change your mind on that actually you're resisting because you're frustrated? And so I'm going to talk about a cultural issue because it's been promoted all month long. But don't get it twisted. I'm not out trying to march the streets. The Bible is written to the believer. So I'm not talking to your coworker today. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the saints. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the people that said, I'm, I'm either curious about what God is or I'm submitted to what God is. And if I'm submitted to what God is, I don't get to come and worship God however I want and bring him whatever I want. I have to change my mind. Come on, somebody. Jesus isn't promoting Pride Month. At the same time, he isn't rejecting the people who are struggling. The church is supposed to make clear what the culture makes foggy. And listen, so what's the big deal with Pride Month? Shouldn't Christians be affirming? People love to criticize the church. Well, the church is so two-faced. We're proud of our families. We're proud of our church. We're proud of the workplace. We're proud to be Americans. And so what's the big deal? With same-sex attraction. The deal is it isn't the same. So listen, listen. The mindset that we are dealing with is different. God set up order. Come on, listen to this. He created bodies to deliver the image of God to the world. Man and woman, when they come together, they have the potential to create life. This furthers humanity. The Bible shows us that Pride Month is rebellion against the way God created life. Listen, the Bible never says that we will not have sinful feelings or desires. That means your body is going to want a snack at 12. That means men or women, there's going to be a moment on the internet when no one's around and you're going to see something. There's going to be a moment when you're so unhappy and frustrated and mad that you're going to say something out of your mouth because you felt it. And how many of us, if we're going to be honest, have said things we wish we could take back? Come on, you hear, does this make sense? What we're talking about today is that, that for us, we don't want to be a people that is saying, God, we love you, but we're going to stay rebellious. Listen, our flesh is always going to want to serve our body. But God, in his infinite wisdom, already gave us scripture verses about every argument that culture has over this topic. But because, listen, we're more discipled by social media than we are the Bible, we don't know what the Bible says because we only know what social influencers say. I'm not 
not doubting your desire to want to know God and be in truth and do the right thing. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting your diligence to reject things that won't fill you and actually learn things that will change your life. Romans chapter one, verse 26 and 28. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. So I, 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 let me just pause for five seconds. Have a seat, let's just have a little staff meeting here. I already know that this conversation touches children who are not in the room, friends that are not in the room. I get it. And so you're gonna have to be present here because I understand that I do not know every context. And I understand that every context has to have the blood of Jesus applied over it. And we all have fallen short of the glory of God and we all need the saving work of Jesus. Does that make sense? But here is the problem is because we have an emotional connection to someone we know. Pastor, let me be honest. I have a frustration with the church talking about this because if you want to know my honest truth, I know people who are sinning that, have, that treat people better than Christians. I know. We ain't trying to be that church. But don't allow that experience to think that God's going to change his meaning. We all got to grow. Look at this. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. God gave them up. God gave them up. For their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature. Our world wants to engraft this and switch it. And they, our, our culture wants to use this verse, verse and put their nature. But their, their is not their. And men likewise gave up natural relations with other women. What was natural, in other words, God created male and female. I'm not going to go into the biology of the body, but there was a natural fitting together. Come on, somebody. And God had a natural order. And this seed, come on, and this spark create life. And it's natural. Okay. And they were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and rece receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So let's talk. I meet a lot of Christians that try to use words that if we think a little bit deeper, it's gonna help us. So a lot of people don't want to reject people. That's great. I'm, I'm for that. But a lot of people will be silent thinking that it's love, that they're walking in love. But reality is they don't love that person. They love themselves and they don't want someone mad at them. So they would rather be quiet and disregard it because I actually love me and I don't want your friends or your people or your crew or culture coming after me. And so in the act of self-preservation, I will because if we really knew the due penalty for their error. In other words, this. If you know a man and you have a relationship, relationship with him and he's drifting at the workplace, 
and he's starting to hang out with that girl at the water, you know what I'm saying, the coffee pot, and you know he's a Christian, and you don't say anything. I'm not talking about coming for him to say, hey, man, we good? What's up? You good? You thirsty all the time and running around. <laughs> 145. Why is that? No reason. I just a little parched. A little parched. I was like, well, here's the deal. I bought you a water bottle, bro. <laughs> Go drink it up in your office. Oh, no, I could never do that. You know why? Because you love yourself. You don't love him. Now, I am not saying that we are everyone's policemen. Take care of yourself. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. People hear what I say and then they take it in an only context or they, they connect some other abusive relationship that was controlling them in their life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about in the context of you know each other and your friends. Okay? Does that make sense? Look at this. And receiving them the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, look at this. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Well, Pastor, I don't know how y'all can talk about this because my feelings are real. Do what ought not. I want to be tacky for just a second. I'm not talking about this situation. I just want to use an example. If a parent goes too far and strikes their child in a way that's not disciplined, they could say the very same thing. I just, I felt, that's not who I am. I just felt it. And I'm just telling you, there's a reason why our worldview is not built off feelings because feelings have to be managed. They have to be, come on, do you hear what I'm saying? And so if we're not careful, it will be homosexuality, transgender, live with your girlfriend. I mean, like it just keeps going and then it's gonna be where, I mean, your girl's cute, she's six, I'm 40. And then, and then, and then it's gonna go, uh, uh, people are so mean and cruel and dumb and they have so many issues. I just like my dog. And the reason is because flesh is always progressive. It's not even about the thing. It's about the soul and the desire and the rebellion in man just to want to do it our own way. Come on, is this good? Don't look to your own interest. I'm not bashing I'm quoting. I'm not bashing. I'm quoting. We have people who have come here that we've walked through and prayed with and hugged and whatever. And I don't care who comes to our church. We're going to stand in the gap of love and we're going to pray and see God do a miracle. Does that make sense? The effects of unity are better. Here's the second one. Are y'all good? Are you good? Come on. Come on. Just breathe a little bit. Breathe a little bit. Okay. Here's the second one. The model. Humility is way better than pride. 
And I'm not even talking about that anymore. I'm on another thought. But Paul said, here's the model. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus, who through, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. I know this is going to sound the, like theology. This is actually a great verse about Jesus' deity. And if we had time to unpack this theology, it's super deep. Okay, and basically, we'll read it, but basically here's the deal. Jesus was all God, okay, and he gave that up, showed humility, took the form of man, was obedient unto death, and he became our model. And this is how we do it. We give up, and we get obedient, and we do the great things that God has asked us to do. And in so, we change the world. We change the church. We change our family. This is the model. Come on. He did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name above every name. And at that name come of Jesus, every knee will bow. Come on. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so here's the trip is that you can bow now or you can bow later, but everybody's bowing. Paul reminds the church that we have a model and the model is Jesus. It isn't movie stars or social media influencers or successful people or people who externally achieve something. I'm not saying you can't read a book. I'm not saying that you can't grow. I'm not even saying that you can't learn something from someone else. But I'm saying the model is Jesus. Come on. The author and finisher. Y'all clapping weak. I'm preaching strong. Y'all clapping weak. Jesus didn't choose to do it his own way. You don't get to do it your own way. We don't get to be ugly to people in culture that don't have revelation. You know, I've learned so much and I've gained so much compassion by learning to choose the chair of humility. And the church has got to learn how to accommodate conversations without changing or compromising. I can have a conversation, but at the end, we're going to talk. Humility doesn't mean that you get to have the last word. Humility doesn't mean you get to clap back. Humility doesn't mean, come on, humility means you surrender. And Jesus showed us the model. Here's the last one, the motive. The motive. The motive is love. Our world always looks out for number one. It screams fairness and mine in the same breath. You can't do that. Like the world and the church, listen, 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 will never be the same. The church can never be cool enough for the world and the world can never be moral enough to please God. They will never be the same. The culture of the king isn't self-promotion. It's submission to God. Look at John chapter 17, verse 9. I am praying for them. This is Jesus talking. I am not praying 
for the world, but for those who God has given me, for they're yours. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father praying for you, the believer, the saint. Who affects the world? We do. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Bible, prayer, and community. He, he prays for us so that we will go. If we don't do that and we're in disunity, then we can't go and do what God's called us to do. Unity is bigger, listen, than a behavior. It's born from a place of love. And church, I need you to lean into this real quick. Come on, I got one more big thought that I want to break down for you. God is working on supernatural transformation in your life. And he wants to pour more love out of you. A few times in this chapter, Paul challenges the motives of other believers and he gives us four examples. He gives um, uh, Paul himself, he gives Timothy, he gives Jesus, okay, Look, look at, let's just give Philippians 2, 4, okay? Don't look to your own interests. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. Be innocent, be blameless. You're children of God, you're a light. Be cool, okay? Look at this. Philippians 2, 20 and 21. For I have no one like Timothy who will be, look, generally concerned for your welfare. Everybody who's in ministry at my church, listen, come on, listen. You can do a lot of good your motive did you call those people because you love them or did you call those people because you didn't want them to be mad at you do you love people because you love people or do you do the right thing to stay employed are you a life group leader because God's giving you some great things and you want to help people or you feel guilty if you're not serving. Paul said, I have no one like Timothy because when I send this man, he only cares about you. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Philippians 2, 29 and 30. This is, a, um, I, I talked about this earlier, but um, there was a, a man, Epaphroditus, and, and he was sent by the church in Philippi. And look what he says. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and honor such men. Now, can I just tell you that in our church, we choose honor and we honor all of those people who pay a price to, to make opportunity for you to sit at a table. Honor is a good thing. Okay? Look at this. It says this. It says this. He nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete the assignment on his life. And so here's what I want to say. Anytime a missionary walks in, we honor them. Anytime someone makes a great sacrifice, we honor them. Anytime someone's doing, come on, you hear what I'm saying? Like there's just an, a level of honor. And here's the picture that you need to see is Jesus gave his life. Paul's in prison giving his life. Timothy's running errands giving his life. This dude over here almost died for the gospel. And if all we're doing is being annoyed that we have to sit through an hour and 15 minute service,
Come on. We cannot be frustrated about the hypocrisy in the world. Let's deal with it. Like right here. Let's get into it right here. I want a church that changes the world, but I don't tithe. I want a church that meets all of my expectations, but I don't surf. I want a church that has incredible ministry, but I don't even read my Bible. <laughs> I'm almost done, y'all. Come on. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of angels, if I speak of tongues of men and angels, I don't even have time to read the verse. Take a picture. Here's what I'm saying. Listen, because I gotta go. Paul is basically saying: if I speak in tongues, if I prophesy, if I give my life up, if I give everything I have away, my motive could still be wrong. Here's the bigger thought. The good you might see not all, may not always be a good thing. And the good that you do may not always really be good. God looks at your real motives. There was this woman who uh, in, in New York, uh, there was this new store that opened up. And uh, this store was called the husband store. And so you could go there if you were single, come on, ready to mingle, go find you a husband. But there was a stipulation. The stipulation was that uh, you, you, there were seven floors. In each floor, there was a quality that would be added. But the condition is if you went up to the the higher floor, you could never go back down. So, this woman's so excited, she's going to the husband's store. Walks in, and the sign says, all of the men in this floor have incredibly good-paying, stable jobs. And she's like, woo! She's looking around. She's like, this is good. Then she thinks, I wonder what's on the second floor. So she leaves and takes the elevator up and she goes to the second floor and the sign says, all of the men on this floor have good, incredibly stable jobs and they love children. And she's like, okay. And halfway looking around, she's like, I wonder what's on the third floor. She goes and gets in the elevator, goes up to the th third floor, and the sign says, all the men on this floor, um, they have incredibly stable jobs, they love children, and they're good looking. She doesn't even look around. She goes to the fourth floor. She's like, what is on the fourth floor? And, uh, and uh, she gets out, and the sign says, everybody on this floor, every man on this floor is, has an incredibly stable job, loves children, is good looking, and they love to do housework. She's like, I, this, this is all I've ever wanted. What's on the next floor? She goes up to the next floor and the sign says, the men on this floor, listen, listen, they have incredibly stable jobs. They love children. They're good looking. They love to do housework and they're romantic. She's like, there's only one more floor. She gets out, she gets in the elevator, she gets up there, and the sign says, some people will never be satisfied. There are no men on this floor. 
The reality is motives do a lot. The woman in this story, she wanted what was best for her. And most of our relationships don't thrive. Marriage, parenting, kids, work, all of that is because we don't know that we're under a me first mentality. Yeah. And here's what I want you to know is that, is that check your motive. Come on, listen, before you send that text, why are you sending it? Before you storm out of the room, check your motive. Before you say that hurtful response, before you sabotage your future with that secret, what's your motivation? Because here's what idolatry is. It's the worship, worship and reverence for anything or anyone other than God. Behaviors aren't the goal. God is looking for our motives. And every parent, let me just tell you real quick, be very careful when you're parenting your children that you are not externally trying to shift behaviors and miss the thing underneath. Because here's what happens to far too many times is we discipline and we shift and we teach external behaviors, but we never minister to seeds of rejection or doubt or insecurity. And we, then they get older in those things because you're no longer policing their life because now they're an adult come out and those weeds were always there. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? So as we end, Ben, go ahead and come up. What are the effects of unity? When a church is united and we are going to be a growing church and growing churches, there's a reason why when churches start to grow, sometimes they implode because people get after pet projects and they, 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 they want to be personality driven. And I just, I want you to know as we grow, here is the posture. Unity will lead to overcoming. When you Surrender to the Lord. Your overcoming will grow. Unity leads to influence. Come on, when people walk in to a church that's unified and very unique, and, and come on, a lot of differences, but yet submitted to the Lord, and we're all trying to go the way God's wanting to go, even though we're all at different seasons of life, it's attractive to the world. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.